another episode of Chillin' and Vicious, the podcast that points out shit you didn't know was relevant. I'm O. And I'm No. And, and together, together we, we make Oh No. So today we're going to be talking about listening. About what? Yeah, exactly. Most well, people talk and they don't really listen. Um, <laughs> but we're talking about listening. Uh, I'm going to listen to you about that. Okay, try. Um, so our life innovator today is great at it, and it actually helps her to travel the world and have make have a more interesting life. Um, so what's really cool is I feel like this is one of those episodes that people have reached out and told us they were waiting for. Um, Steph, our our life innovator today, actually works half the year and travels half the year. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Um, she's been like pretty much every place you can imagine or is about to go to every place you can imagine. Um, she's able to do this because she is a very in-demand packaging designer. Um, she's a fantastic listener and she is also a writer slash photographer, um, which she mostly does while she's on these trips. So welcome, Steph. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, we love having you. Hey, Stephanie. Um, so do you want to tell us about your a little bit about your travel slash work schedule? Um, I basically work half of the year and travel the other half, um, but not like six months working and then six months travel. It's I go back and forth. So I come back and work for a little while, then plan the next trip, usually within a month or so. And it's been almost a country every other month for the past two years, two and a half years. So Rough cool. life. <laughs> yeah, it's tough life. Yeah, it's tough life. Um, so like, how how are you able to do this? Um, thankfully, with my freelance job, I'm able to make enough money and have a flexible schedule so that I can kind of come and go as I please and work around that so that I can make traveling more of my priority than actually working. And you're based in New York or do you move even where your work is home-based? I'm based in New York. Um, so sometimes I work from home, sometimes I go into studios and uh, yeah, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Cool. Yeah. Freelancers get it because, you know, that's part of the the life of like, just like having to deal with like, oh, I, uh, I'm i working now, I'm not going to work. Like, you know, have this like, uh, this consistency Right, I, there is a consistency to it because you have to keep getting work. Um, but they tend to usually. I feel like people are a little bit scared of that. Like, what led you to be okay with like freelancing? Um, it was kind of something I'd, I'd thought about for a while. I was in my first full time job for two years. Um, it didn't take long before I was like, okay, I can't come in and sit at the same desk day in and day out and do this nine to five um, and only have you know ten to fifteen vacation days. That was not going to fly. People on the planet, working nine to five just to stay alive, the nine to five just to stay alive, the nine to five just to stay alive. 
So I, I actually ended up uh, having reconstructive knee surgery that put me out of work for three months. And it was right after that when I came back to my full-time job that I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I quit and went freelance after that. Awesome. Did you turn your full-time into a freelance or you had to find completely new clients? I had to find new clients. How'd you do that? Uh, emailed, asked around. Um, it's kind of a small community. So I had friends who worked in other agencies and just kind of reached out to everyone. So you listened to the fact that you had your knee messed up and you got put out and there was a voice that was just like, don't go don't back. back. And you're like, I guess I'm not going to go back. Like, this is what freedom tastes like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I found that interesting about you when we chatted about like the way that you travel and, and work and stuff. It's like, you tend to travel to places you don't really know of anybody. Like you travel alone most of the time. Yeah, most of the time it's alone. Yeah, and then like we were just talking about like you getting to know the local people and it seemed like your biggest like advantage in that was that, you know, you let people just kind of, you know, tell you where to go, tell you about the town. That like, yeah, you're not, you're not one of those people who's like an obnoxious like, or you're planning, you're like, planning on talking. I got a yeah. tour going on. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I prefer to to talk and listen to the locals. I think that's the best part of traveling is is being able to to hear other people and what they have to say and um, getting a local perspective anywhere you go is going to help you to have a better trip rather than just, oh, you know, what tour am I going to take today? And, you know, what monument can I go see? I'd, I'd rather be, you know, diving in with the locals. Do you find that people approach you or do you tend to like approach other people more? Um, I think people tend to approach me like being a solo female traveler and clearly being American. <laughs> people will come up to me like, what are you doing? Why are you alone? A and B, like, why are, why are you here? They're <laughs> yeah. like, I'm yeah. visiting. This is my vacation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And you, you do a lot of writing, right? On these trips. I and- do. Yeah, yeah. It started with... Um, my first trip to New Zealand, which is about two years ago. And I had gone for a month and a half and just had a notebook with me and it just started flowing. And then every trip after that, I basically fill up a notebook for each. Well, what do you write? And then like, you do like local tips or like, it's um, like journal or like... Kind of. It's it's a combination of things. I Personal essays maybe, or just thoughts on the people that I've been talking to, you know, if they have stories to share. Um, sometimes I add that or, you know, being a designer, sometimes I draw. I think, uh, you know, taking the leap into becoming a freelancer is, you know, intimidating for a lot of people, but I would imagine you'd have to be like, pretty good at what you do. Um, do you feel like your ability to like listen to your clients um, is something that has helped you? Um, I definitely think that that has a lot to do with it. I mean, you have to have a lot of patience when dealing with any client. So I think that that helps build skills outside of the business world so that you can have patience and really listen and understand people, you know, outside of business. Yeah, I think that's the key there is like people think that they listen because they're hearing words. <laughs> but like understanding is something that only really comes from listening, which is um, very, very different. Um, our ability to like like listen and pay attention is actually declining because of the amount of like information and media overload we get. So like we're actually not as good of listeners as we think we are. I mean, we always think we're great listeners. <laughs> oh, all I'm the best listener. <laughs> 
as I talk over you. <laughs> I I hear my voice so well. <laughs> um, so actually, what's interesting is that like um, our hearing is our our fastest um, sense. Like it, uh, it's like at the same rate that our brain like like cognates essentially like the speed is the same so like we hear and we hear all this information and when we we're kids we like listen we're able to listen because like it's like a new sense so like you're taking in all this information but as you get older you actually just start paying attention less to it so like our brains are being greedy trying to take in all this information mm. but we're not using our full capacity to to like pay attention to it so your brain might be like let's say you're listening 75% of your brain might be like doing other things right yeah and we've talked about multitasking you know it's just like takes longer to do anything yeah so I guess keeping like a childlike uh lens on the world can help you like explore and uh see some of the possibilities right yeah it's actually really interesting because that's kind of how you view the world like that's how you like approach travel and say like oh what what opportunities are here for me to like yeah trying to understand it rather than just hear it or see it yeah I'm American why do you guys eat like this (laughs) (laughs) I try not to travel like the the typical American Uh, I try not to travel like the the typical American um but I, I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Bourdain, and he's obviously been all over the world. And uh, he had this quote, um, was, the more I travel, the less I know. And that yeah. that mm-hmm. says so much to me, and I completely agree with that. It's like every time I go to a new place, I, I come back with more questions than I've had questions answered. What was your latest trip? Uh, the last one, I was in Europe for for about two weeks. Um, Austria, Switzerland, uh, Switzerland Slovenia. Italy. Uh, I think that was it. Cool. Yeah. Do you feel like, so what, what do you know less about the world since, since that trip? Uh, less German than I thought I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. great. I know everything about German. It's like anger, man. I named it Santiago, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, funny. That's so funny. Um, do you feel like, uh, so you see a lot of people approach you, right? When you're um, on these trips, partially probably because, you know, you're a female and, but like what, I mean, but you, a lot of times will spend like whole evenings, whole, like even weeks with people. So like, I think you still need a little bit of something to keep people around, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't um, want to scare them off or send them away because then it really, really will be a, a lonely trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have met some some amazing people that I do end up spending a week or so with. Um, you know, and it all starts with one conversation at a restaurant, a bar, and you know, before you know it, you're out in a jeep together, riding around an island. Where was this island? <laughs> uh, this one was Roatan, Honduras. That's and, awesome. Yeah, yeah. You want to tell us more about like um, how to like. How do the locals, you feel like the locals tend to respond well to you? Like not just like one person, but that like people tend, like the community is accepting or? Um, yeah, I guess it, it kind of depends on the place. Um, Roatan in particular was very accepting of me. And by the end of that trip, I think I knew everybody on the island. Granted, there was only a couple thousand or so it felt. <laughs> um, but How long yeah. were you there? Um, two weeks. So you like knew everyone on the island two weeks? Yeah, yeah, basically. It started with an Airbnb and a lovely couple that introduced me to everybody else and it just it trickled from there. What are some of the things that you did there? 
Um, like, with the, with the locals. Yeah, I was enjoy, uh, invited to a, a barbecue that was just a family and, and their friends. And yeah, just, just locals, just come on to the barbecue. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Um, I was getting rides around on, on a scooter while watching a puppy for this guy who was like, you know, I can't drive and hold the puppy at the same time. Can, you know, do you mind? Sure. Sure, I'll hold your puppy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's where the Jeep trip ended up. You know, I met three amazing people um, in one of the bars one of the nights and they were like, hey, you're cool. Why don't you come with us on this Jeep trip tomorrow? We're, you know, we're going to look out, we'll look for land and stuff, but just drive around the island. And I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, you're doing the responding thing. Maybe not just like the the like, oh, I'm hearing what you're saying, but like you're literally like, I feel like a lot of times people sometimes they're like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Sure, yeah, I'll come. And like they never do. It's like you take people up on those offers. Yeah. You're like, yeah, let's fucking do Absolutely. this. And you know, it's more difficult to do that. I think when you're home, you know, when when you travel, you could be whoever you want to be. You don't have to be, you know, Steph the designer who like goes to work and like does, you know, her job. Like when you travel, you could do whatever you want. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody knows who you were yesterday. Like you can, you really have free range to be open and honest and and accepting of things that you might not normally do when you're home. Huh. I, I get that. There's like a new sense of freedom. It's like being yeah. on the internet, you know? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Except, Nobody for, except for Google tracks yeah. everything. But. <laughs> so, do you feel like you're saying you know, you're a little bit different at home? Do you ever bring that hospitality back to Brooklyn in the way that when you're a guest in these other places, like, do you ever see tourists like now in New York and you're like, hey. It does give me a, a new perspective on tourists. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Um, I, yeah, of course. Yeah. Anytime I go somewhere, when I come back, I try to bring a little a little bit back in a, in a positive way. Um, so I think I have been more accepting of people around here. And I try to have that, that same mentality and keep myself open as you know it's hard to do in New York we we walk with tunnel vision we walk with a purpose and we kind of ignore our surroundings and I'm trying to trying to do the opposite of that yeah well New York we're like particularly I I think even like the other major city I lived in is in Chicago and people help each other out at all here in New York I think there's like even just like me carrying this giant suitcase around with the podcast equipment I feel like even when I was in Chicago like people always offered to help People don't do that here in New York. They're going to like watch you like... Watch you struggle. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, uh, I was I saw a group of tourists who were lost the other day and they were clear. There's like a whole group of them. And I interrupted. I was like, hey, where are you guys trying to go? And they're like, oh my God, we've been here for like 10 minutes. No one has asked us or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, helped, they had this horrible map. I don't know that their tour guide gave them. It was actually really confusing. And I gave them directions to go someplace. But I feel like in a lot of other places... If you look pretty lost, people like will people stop to be you. like, hey, yeah. what's going on with you? But I've also found that like, yeah, there's that kind of like, you know, out for yourself thing. But like, if you ask people, they'll usually help you. They will ask you, but you, but they won't like notice. Yeah. They not- won't like reach out well, unless you like. Yeah. It's like when they, they put the, um, the professional violinist in the subway. Yeah. It was like this incredible, oh, yeah. you know, violinist and everybody was just walking Past, I'm. I'm pretty sure it was violent, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, everybody, most people just walked right by it, had no idea that this was like one of the world's greatest violinists because they didn't just stop to pay attention for just a moment. Yeah. And then I think like he played like a symphony that night that like was, you know, like tickets were like 150 bucks or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so funny. You're also a photographer, so like you're really into beautiful things. Like, yeah. <laughs> like beautiful things. Actually, I checked, I like stalked your Instagram and your photos are gorgeous. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, nature's beautiful things. <laughs> what do you try to, I guess, what do you like about photography? Um, gosh, I, I, everything. I like being able to capture the moments that I'm in. Not that I necessarily, you know, use them professionally all the time, but I like even just having that for myself like that. Yeah. That's my log of everything that I've seen done, whether it's people or the places or even what I had for dinner. You know, I'll take, I take hundreds of thousands of pictures and video as well. I like sharing this anecdote um, about what makes people charismatic. <laughs> and a big part of it is being able to be a good listener. And um, in toward London summer of 1886, uh, William Gladstone was up against Benjamin Disraeli for the post of prime minister in the United Kingdom. Okay. And uh, so this was a Victorian area. So like whoever won this election ruled half the world. It's like being the president of the United States now, honestly, <laughs> you know? And so in the very last week before the election, both men happened to take the same young woman out to dinner. So the press was all like, oh, uh, you know, which one of these guys made a bigger impression on you? And uh, so the girl or the woman, she responded, well, after dining with Mr. Gladstone, I thought he was the cleverest person in England. But after dining with Mr. Disraeli, I thought I was the cleverest person in England. (laughs) (laughs) And guess who won the election? It was it was Benjamin Disraeli. And I guess that would be probably good at a leader, right? Yeah. Someone who like knows how to bring the best out of people. Out of other people. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Well, God. listening makes people feel important, right? Like if somebody if you're telling someone a story and they're like engaged in it, like or you know, are really paying attention, like it's really interesting. Like people feel so special. It's not even something cognizant. I think like uh, actually a friend of mine told me a story about one time she went out to dinner with a friend and he just was talking and talking and talking. And she was paying attention to the fact that he never really asked her any questions. So the only thing she was saying was like, yeah, or, mm-hmm, or like agreement statements. And she was like, he's really talking. He just needs to talk. I'm going to see how long we go before he says anything to me. Like before he, you know, asked me a real question. Disrupts right? his monologue. So yeah, she said they like went to dinner and then I think they went bowling or something and they'd spent like four or five hours together and he just talked the whole time and didn't ask her a single question, but she just would like give supporting, you know, yeah, great. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. And then at the end of the night, she he hadn't asked her anything and they were like leaving. She was leaving. He goes, man, that was such a great conversation. I haven't had that great <laughs> conversation in such a long time. And like, you just was like she was like wanted to crack up because he didn't say anything, but she never told him. <laughs> yes. But it's true. And, and if you're on the end where you like want to gain someone's trust, just let them let yeah. them talk and like feed them questions. Um, he just needed to be heard. It's a very charming quality. He, yeah, <laughs> and Steph's really charming too. She's like 
it's Aww. actually like yeah, she's so like nice <laughs> and humble. But yeah, if you could tell, like she she's like not that much of a talker. No, no. no it's, yeah, yeah. This is really difficult for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope we make it a little bit easier, and we appreciate you sharing your stories. But like, yeah, that it's so cool. Like you do, you do kind of live the dream a bit, but working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is through like through that like nature. It's like it also I think makes you people want to know more about you when you're not shouting like out who you are. All the time. Yeah, it's a little more mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do prefer if people ask me questions rather than <laughs> just talking about it. Are you a middle child? Yes, I'm a middle child. You're a middle child? Yeah. And where you're like older, like I'm a middle child too. I felt like I was really, really quiet as a kid until I like decided one day that like I was going to be louder than my siblings. Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Or your yeah. siblings kind of like ridiculously overbear. Like, did they like, um, well, I did guess they take up a lot of space? I, I think so. I think the older one, he's, he's the smart one, the wise one, you know, the, the older brother. And uh, the younger brother was the baby. He was the spoiled one. So yeah. then there's me, kind of the weird one in the middle, the only girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think I found my place. Weird Aunt Steph. Yeah. <laughs> crazy Aunt Stephanie. Crazy Aunt yeah, Stephanie. Crazy that's Aunt it. Stephanie is what Traveling they call me. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite trip? Um, I've got, I've got a couple. I think uh, New Zealand is probably my favorite. I went twice in one year just because I had to go back. Um, Iceland is a very close second. Um, I did a road trip through Iceland as well and uh south africa is probably a close third cool. so awesome how do your parents feel about you like traveling and just like doing all this stuff like uh first it was difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah at first it was very difficult i had to cancel one trip uh because of an argument I got into with my father over my safety. Um, so what dad says goes. So the first one was like, <laughs> okay, I'll change locations. Um, but since then, they've been very accepting of, of the entire thing. And I've even brought them along on a couple of the trips. So I brought my dad to South Africa. Um, he hadn't left the country since he was 16. So this was a big chance for us to like be together. Um, and my That's mom, really cool. I brought her and uh, my grandmother to Hawaii um, for a couple of weeks as well. That's awesome. Did your dad like, like, was your dad like hesitant to go to South Africa or was he like, once he got there, he was like, oh my God. Once he got there, <laughs> I, I, he was in love with it. I mean, all we do every time, every time we talk, it's a, we mention Africa. So he has to go back to Africa. Yeah. He, he loved it. Um, and never thought that he would ever go to Africa. Why would, you know, he's like, yeah. why would I ever think of that? And I had had the, the trip planned and I was like, Hey, do you, do you want to go? And he's like, no, 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 no. And I, I get a text from my mom five minutes later, like your dad's going. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys went, uh, you guys did some, some weird stuff there, right? Oh, we did. Yeah. Um, we did the, you know, traditional safari. Like you have to go see the animals. Um, but we went, uh, shark diving with, in a cage with cash. great whites. So yeah. cash. <laughs> Casual great white shark diving. <laughs> it was, crazy. it was one of the scariest things I think either of us had ever done. Um, yeah, and, and it's what's called Shark Alley, and they take you on this boat that's, I, I don't know, it only fits like five or six people, and there were probably 12 people on the boat, so it was very <laughs> Um And they take you over to what's called Seal Island, and you watch the sharks eat the seals. And oh, after shit. breakfast, then you, you get into the water with them. <laughs> they make sure they look, yeah. yeah. 
Oh they my should god! Full you get face, a, and then they chum the water, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh my god! That's fucking in. terrifying. You yeah. get a great visual of what they could do to you. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's fun yeah um, so your parents was one challenge but <laughs> yeah. were there other challenges to making this lifestyle adjustment for you um, once you decided to go ahead and do it um, I think I think so there's there's been a couple of adjustments um, both work wise and uh, well I guess commitments overall but commitments to whether it be work friends relationships right um, because the people in my life also have to accept that I'm going to be leaving every other month. Um, so when it comes to roommates or boyfriends, you know, or my boss, everybody has to kind of be on board. Um, so it's taken some shifting and some moving pieces to, to allow that to happen. Did you get any like pushback from anybody or was everyone like pretty much like once you set your intention, like people were okay with it? Um, not everybody. <laughs> there, yeah. yeah the, not everybody was exactly on board. Um, not sure of the reasons. I think they just wanted me to just be there 100%. But um, at the end of the day, that's part of being freelance is that I give you an allowed space and time for, for my work. And, you know, after that, then it's my freedom. Yeah, because I feel like, I don't know, I don't know about in packaging in particular, but I know in design, like people keep freelancers on permalance, like because they just don't want to have to, you know, do the, the salary thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Do the salary thing and be responsible and then it's hard to fire you and all that stuff. So like they'll sometimes permalance people for like seven, eight years and you're like, yeah. But then so they, they don't like but, it the other way. Yeah. So that's not really fair. Yeah. I try not to, to block out time for longer than a month to, to two months tops, unless it's something that I really want to do or somebody that I really want to be working for. Um, otherwise, I just I try to keep it in short spurts or at least let them know enough in a, ahead of time that. Okay, I'm here now, but in a month, I'm going to be taking off for two weeks. Well, I imagine you must be really good because people are so accommodating. <laughs> I hope so. So with these relationships that you have to make them, you know, okay with your, your two or like whatever periods off and on I would imagine when it was a lot more difficult for once where you had to change the relationship like at the beginning when you had a certain relationship and you had to like readjust the expectations versus mm -hmm. the new ones when you're already in this sort of cycle and you're you can be a bit more upfront from the beginning yeah which is thankfully this the situation that I'm I'm at now I've been um I guess semi-permanent with one person for for a while and he's been great to me allowing me to continue this lifestyle as well and come back to him knowing that I'm gonna have have more work lined up you mean um, wait Honest is a boyfriend or a boss boss okay yeah. <laughs> the work, the boss. work lined up <laughs> the works the works lined up <laughs> yeah I don't know. well that means uh, that someone, like actually listening to what you're telling him like this is what I want but like and then there's a certain trust that comes from that let's like you know taking people at face value to believing what they say is, yeah he needs to trust that I'm going to be able to get the work done and in the time that I'm there and that I'm going to give him everything that I've got and in return I you know I get to come and go yeah and that seems like well especially with de like deadlines and stuff like that where you have a shorter amount of work like the, it must be like it must be more focused like your work must be better and like I would imagine because like you get you know you work yeah we've all worked jobs where you're just like staying there forever and it's like project after project you kind of like yeah 
Yeah, full-time being versus freelance. Right? Yeah, yeah, you don't get stagnant. Like I never, I never feel like I don't want to be there. Or I don't want to do the work. I never have that, that thought in my mind. It's always, it always feels fresh to me. Um, because I'm just coming back from a trip where I have a trip to look forward to. So that when I'm there, I'm I'm 110% there. Isn't there like a study that was like people are always happiest while planning a trip? Like not necessarily while they're on the trip, but like people's positivity goes up like through the roof while they're planning a trip because it's like a thing to look forward to. You basically, you're just perpetually looking forward <laughs> <laughs> to the world. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Let's take a trip. Have you ever read the word is yours? When you get to a place, like how does it go? Like where do you? Because you know, I imagine though, even though you are you're making money and like so you're still paying your rent and you're traveling, whatever you have to budget. Like, what are like? How do you do that? Like, how do you afford that? Slash, like, what's your process when you get there? Are you staying in an Airbnb? What are you doing? Like, um, yeah. So it it depends. Sometimes I'll stay in an Airbnb. If I'm or a hotel, if I'm staying in one location, um, so like with the, the trips coming up, I'm going to Tulum, Mexico, and um, to Kai Cocker in Belize. So I'm going just to that island. I'm staying there for a week, so I'm only going to go to the hotel. Um, if I'm going someplace for longer, if I'm doing like a road trip, I don't even plan where I'm going to stay. I'll just drive from one city to the next and maybe book a hotel a day in advance or two days in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, because that keeps things open-ended for me so I can decide to change locations if I choose to. Um, yeah, I just, I don't rent out my apartment. I don't do Airbnb or anything. I just pay for that. Um, yeah, so you have the poison of green point. You pay for it all year. Yeah, yeah. So I pay for that all year. I have a roommate. Um, so he gets the apartment to himself when I'm gone. Yeah, I'm sure That's he doesn't cool. mind. He loves it. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> Steph, this is yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. How, well, so, yeah, I guess... Uh, how do you, um, I guess, decide like when you're going to work and when you're not, when you're planning these trips? Like, is it kind of just like you feel it out when you're like, I don't want to be here for any longer? Or is um, it like... Oh, no, it's kind of, well, it's kind of random. Well, at, at the moment, it's random. The ultimate goal is to do 30 countries before I'm 30. So I have 10 more to go, uh, eight more after January. Um, so I have like a list now of the places that I want to go. Um, so it's not, that's what dictates. That's kind of what, yeah, what dictates it. And interesting. yeah, before it kind of was just like, oh, maybe I'll go here and I'll, I'll just kind of look at the map. But yeah, now it's kind of like, okay, I have a year and a half to do this. I need to like kind of get a move on. Some serious goal setting. I like this kind of goal setting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you (laughs) kind of give your caps then of like, I need to make this much then in this period. Um, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm grateful that it's, uh, that I'm paid hourly and then it's not on a salary basis so I can I'm pretty good with managing my money and making enough and that time and, and the savings and stuff so it's yeah. it's always been fine are there are there sacrifices you make like well you're here do you like is it like oh I don't go out that much because I you know because like everyone has their thing right like some people will be like why did you spend so much money traveling but it's like you spend money on like you know, you, like you go out like on a random Wednesday night, sometimes you end up spending a hundred dollars on drinks. You're like, yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, thankfully the, the job does pay well. So I, I monetarily speaking, I don't think I make that many sacrifices, but I'm also not the type of girl that goes out shopping every weekend. I think it's just, an, it's natural for me to spend my money in places that I prefer to. Experiences. Yeah. 
experience. Do you feel like a lot of the places you visit too, like, are less expensive than, or do you? Is it all across the board? Um, it's all across the board. Yeah, I've been places where I I've been able to do a trip, you know, for under five hundred bucks total, and then others where I've spent, you know, after flights, et cetera, probably five six thousand. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's always a flight that's the most expensive. So, like, once you get there, if you're like not trying to stay in a like bougie five star hotel and you're not staying in like a huge, like a major city, it's usually okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it usually it's just the flights. There have been a couple of times where I I waited too long to find a hotel and ended up spending you know three hundred dollars a night for a place in New Zealand. But that I try to not have that happen too yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said earlier though about um with you going freelance, how you, you still always, you actually find yourself giving that 110% more than you did when you had the, the stable job. Absolutely. Uh, so that must like feel good to like put your best work forward. And, but it's also the nature of freelance though, isn't it? Cause you, you have to kind of prove yourself a bit more than when they're like, okay, I got this job. And, um, yeah. Yeah. You don't get to be a deadbeat. No, yeah, because if, if if you screw up, if you don't deliver, I mean that that changes everything. I mean, you might not get called back, so that could be the end of your job if you screw up once. So you really have to make sure that you're delivering. Um, and your reputation's big too, especially in the freelance. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, most most of the jobs or most of the offers that I get are because of word of mouth. Like I don't need to call or email anymore. It's just people who've heard from other people. Um, so I really have to make sure that my reputation is is solid. I like that though. And it all seems like, yeah, like you get to commit to your vacation and you get to commit to work. It's not like, you know, people are like, you know, like the Sunday blues. Like, <laughs> like that. There's like a hilarious meme that's like, I think it was like Betches or something like that on Instagram. It's like, um, like that time, like that, that time on Sunday when Sunday like stops being fun and you realize that tomorrow you have to like, go to work. Like, yeah. right. Like, but then you're like, oh no, I got to chill out for a minute well, and come back refreshed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, when you come back though, from your vacations, which you keep as a vacation, right? Like you don't do work when you travel? No, outside of personal work, I don't, I don't do any, any client-based work because I I think I move around too much. Internet's always a little bit scarce, so I don't like to make commitments while I'm traveling. Um, When you come back, do you get any like withdrawal? Um, In the beginning, yeah, it was really rough. Uh, after the first time back from New Zealand, I was depressed for God knows how long until the, probably the next trip. Yeah, I just Travel needed depression. to go again. Oh and, yeah. And how yeah. long, like after you took your your first trip, like when the travel bug hit you, right? How long did you wait to take your next vacation? Uh, two months. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think I was in in New Zealand for uh, a month and a half, almost two. Came back, and then the next trip was in Barcelona. Not. Not long after. Month and a half, almost two months. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. I yeah. love it. Road trip through both islands. It was the most amazing thing. Oh my God. Yeah. I want to travel with you. We should talk <laughs> yes, about this a little we bit. Have, yeah. um, you're we also a, a diver. Yes. And I am too. Yeah. What's your favorite place you've ever dove? Um, I think Roatan was actually my favorite. Um, it's the second largest barrier reef in the world. Um, next, obviously, Great Barrier Reef. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah, amazing fish, crystal clear waters. Um, you know, there were tunnels and caves, all, all sorts of different oh things. Yeah. 
It's amazing. Shipwrecks, you, you name it. It's all there. Oh my God. I want to go wreck diving. And then yeah. you're going to do an underwater underwater diving specialty? Underwater photography specialty? Sorry. Yeah. All the, it's all underwater. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all underwater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to finish my uh, advanced dive courses uh, and will specialize in underwater photography. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I think that that's the last one I have to do. I just finished night diving, actually, at my last night. location. I love night diving. So good. Yeah. Oh my God, have you been cold water diving? I'm sorry if this is going derailing. <laughs> um, I, I want to say I did in Canada, but it was it was a long time ago. Long time ago. How old were you when you got certified? Oh, young. My whole family did it. The five the five of us went. Oh God, yeah, yeah, as a family. Yeah, we started going in Hawaii, and we were we were diving in Hawaii as a family. And then, yeah, then I just continued. So I love it so much. Yeah. Oh my God, I love it too. It's just an, like an expensive habit in the United States. I. Yeah. I love when I say that people are like, it sounds like a drug habit, but I'm like, no, but it's just like a very expensive like thing to like rent your tanks and like whatever, but not if you're overseas. It's yeah, really cool. So much cheaper overseas. So yeah. So you guys, diving is like the most amazing thing. Like it kind of at first you're like, what the hell is this? And like, why is it cold? And like when the water goes like up into your parts, you're like, Jesus, this is freezing. <laughs> but then like, it's like a legit, a whole new world. Yeah, it really is. It's like amazing. Yeah, I think everybody should try it at least once in their life. It's, oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I have yet to. It's like totally worth. Do- I mean, yeah, the courses and stuff like you get to do all the safety hours shit and hours, but it's fucking incredible. It's worth it. Yeah, it's absolutely worth it. I'm breathing underwater like the Loch Ness with old pirate gold that's locked in wooden boxes. Twenty thousand leagues where mermaids. Do you have any like memorable like? culture shock things for you that you caught yourself being like wow I'm really American I didn't realize that about myself um Japan yeah did that to me yeah (laughs) yeah uh Japan definitely um I actually traveled there with my my younger brother who's uh six three six four he's a giant and so the two of us in Japan um stuck out like sore thumbs so we we were staying kind of uh, in the suburbs of Tokyo and taking the train around we were the only Americans for for miles so everybody stared at us everybody was like wow wow especially my brother (laughs) you know towering above everyone um yeah, so I think that was the biggest, like, all right, well, we're definitely different here. <laughs> <laughs> what about in the sense of, like, like the way they did things was really different? And it was just, I mean, it seems like you probably go into these things with not very much expectations, but, like, just something that you're like, wow, I can't really imagine getting used to that. Um, I think I th- maybe Japan also, just be, just because of how, I, I loved it. I loved every, every bit of it. But it was completely different than what I'm used to, especially being in New York where everything is loud, fast-paced, and, um, you know, people are kind of all chaotic and all over the place. And in Japan, you know, when you go out to eat, it's very organized. It's very relaxed. It's, um, you do things a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And... You didn't know any of those rules, no, probably. No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. It wasn't until you start watching other people that you, you either you put your cup back where you got it or, you know, you never just leave your chopsticks on the table. It's just all, all things that yeah. you wouldn't think about. It's all, so much ritual. People. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Any of those rituals that you've like adapted? Uh, chopsticks so- for one. <laughs> I eat chopsticks. <laughs> I use chopsticks for almost everything at home. Really? Yeah. You yeah. Eat. That's so yeah. funny. Do you find though? Okay, so th- I find this personally. Like when I travel or like live in a place for a little bit, I'll notice how much I'm like the place I went to, and then when I come back, I mean because I acclimated to the place I was staying at, it'll 
I've adjusted to I've adjusted to the the place I was living. So when I move back to the other place, I'll notice how I've gotten used to it. That Absolutely. Way. That that's happened with me with so many things, whether it was accents, um, driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> uh, yeah. Food habits, just craving certain things that I, I got used to. Um, driving was the most difficult though, because I was driving on the, the opposite side of the road and the opposite side of the car. So in when, New Zealand in New Zealand and uh, South Africa as well. South Africa. So when I when I came back, when I came back, not only did I have a weird accent, but I also couldn't drive on our side of the road, and I had to watch my friend's car for for about a week or something, and it was so difficult. I had to keep like reminding myself, okay, right side of the road, right side of the road, Don't kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? I just came back from uh, Italy. I went to Italy and then France, and like my Italian's not that good. Like it's okay. It's not, my Italian's okay. I'm like much better at reading it, but um. I, my French was pretty good, but then I left Italy. By the time I left Italy, then I finally started. I was like, my I was surprised at how badly I was failing myself because you know you don't use it, you lose it. But then I was like, finally, like starting to think in Italian. Then I got to France. I was like, shit, and like I kept trying to answer everyone in Italian. And I was like, this is the one I'm really good at. Like <laughs> this is the one that I'm better yeah. at. It's just like your brain takes time to do that. But yeah. I kind of like how that like sits with you though. Like even sometimes like. You're like, your body language will change and like, like the whole like rich, yeah, the whole ritual thing will change. Like, um, even like, like my family's from Lebanon and we would go for the summer. Like when I, the first time I went there, I was like, just like, you eat so fast because you're American. And then like, lunch is like a four hour ordeal. Like you can't eat lunch. lunch Well, yeah, like everyone's sitting down. Like there's so many courses. People are smoking hookah, having drinks. Like, so you like, if you finish in the first 10 minutes, you're just going to be bored out of your mind (laughs) for the next three to some three and some odd hours. So it's like, yeah, like those kinds of things are really nice to bring with you. Like you don't even mean to. It just becomes part of it. It just sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah. Let me take you out of culture, culture, culture. Do you notice when you're on these trips, you know, people always say like putting yourself outside your comfort zone, um, that's where the magic happens. That's where you learn things about yourself. Uh, Do you feel like that's been true with you on your travels? Are you almost like comfortable with traveling? I (laughs) I think I am the most comfortable with traveling. I think I'm more uncomfortable being here, like being in Brooklyn, like it's so almost the, to the point where I like, I don't know what to do while I'm here anymore. <laughs> it's oh. like, okay, so I'm working because, well, you know, home is like, all right, I'm working to get ready to go somewhere else. Um, so yeah, I'm most, I feel like I'm most comfortable when I'm, when I'm somewhere else. That's so interesting. So it's almost like your home, like where you feel home in some ways. Yeah. I don't know if to say that. I mean, You're like stretch. a turtle or like a crab. Yeah. 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 In a way it's, it's bizarre to even try to explain um but yeah i just do feel more comfortable when i'm when i'm in another country when i'm the when i'm the least comfortable is when i'm the most comfortable if that makes sense has that switched since you started this lifestyle or was it actually you kind of realized that's what you were missing maybe a little i mean that i I think that makes sense that maybe i was missing it i didn't even know it and then now you're like yeah well it seems like then you're kind of like more cerebral like you're really like, are you really in your head all the time? All the time, yeah, all the time. That's why I don't talk that much. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you don't yeah, know. Listening, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're always like, are you always like challenging yourself in, like in your own mind? Like, are you always like, oh, what could I like aside from like traveling? Because it seems like that's like a thing that you're like building on, right? Like you're like, oh, I want a new experience. I want to try this. I want like whatever. Like, do you like? Are you like? Are there other things that you work on constantly? I think so. Um, yeah. That, I mean, outside of the traveling, but there's there's other goals that I want to achieve or um, just other things that I want to do. I'm trying to figure out like the, the best path because I can't do this forever. Like, well, maybe I could, but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, well, do it. Do I even want to? So that's the stuff that's in my head all the time. It's like, how do I either turn this into a permanent job? Because um, I think it's the back and forth that I'm not going to want to yeah. do forever. Um, yeah, maybe just the back and back and back because yeah, I would imagine yeah. even for people who really like change all the time it's still like Exhausting. taxing on the body I would imagine to be like going from time zone to time zone and yeah it can be a lot climates and yeah and I, I have gotten really sick I've, I've gotten uh, sick from from bug bites and all sorts of things um, so it is yeah it's a bit taxing to continuously do the the back and forth. I mean, most people I think who, who travel to a lot of countries do it in, in the bulk of their time. At least I've seen with Europeans where they'll go for a few months or go for six months to a year, get it all done and then come back and work. It's, I haven't met too many people like myself who will go home and then go back out and then go home and go back out again. Well, is it like, okay, so like if you could do the six months here six month there thing is that like ideal or is there something that's like bringing drawing you back here like you know like is it just that the, this is the comfort of home and like um yeah I guess I guess because I've built a life here you know I, I wasn't born and, and raised in Brooklyn but you know I've dedicated almost 10 years of my life so there's still a part of me I think that will always have a place here mm-hmm. um so that's def- I'm definitely going to be brought back I don't know that I'd want to like dedicate six months to being just here though. that's what I thought yeah. That, yeah. yeah like that's a lot of time like already like this is the longest break that I've had in between trips um at the moment and already I'm like itching to go I'm like I'm ready has there been anywhere else that you've considered like putting some roots down in that you've been to that you're like this place and this culture seems like more my speed or whatever um, yeah actually uh Wellington New Zealand um yeah. their capital city I would love to live there yeah. um but it's also on the opposite side of the world like you can't get much farther away than wellington um so i have some reservations about that um and if it's not that then it's going to be Kauai. i love Kauai. what was it what was it about these places then like um that made you feel like you could see yourself living there um wellington as a whole is is like a little Brooklyn, but slower paced and the people are so friendly. Um, there's a great art scene, great music scene, um, good food, good restaurants. And yeah, it's almost like a, like a larger version of Williamsburg, but, but it's slower. on, yeah, but slower <laughs> and on the sea and you have the rest of New Zealand and they speak that English. you can explore. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, Do you know other languages? Um, a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of French. I can get by with both. And you've been able to travel to all these countries mostly knowing English, right? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. And is it just that like most people know English or do you end up like kind of doing some sign language? (laughs) Um, Well, in in France, um, I got by with the French that I knew. Um, Most people speak English. Yeah, most people spoke English anyway. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the Spanish-speaking countries, I was okay with the the Spanish. And everywhere else, yeah, most of it's been English. 
Um, Are those like factors? Yeah, Japan. Yeah. When uh, you pick places to travel, because I think that's just thinking of like why people come up with reasons why they don't travel enough. You know, it's like oh, okay, the uh, language. Yeah, they the price. <laughs> yeah, the price. Oh, um, number one. Um, yeah, I don't pick places based off of the language. I, I'll go anywhere. I'm, yeah, Google Maps helps a lot, so I usually <laughs> find find my directions beforehand. Um, and I think I've gotten used to either pointing at things or you know, sign language, you know, however way you can get your point across. Um, Yeah, like in Japan, ordering at a restaurant, you have no idea what it says. Um, So you learn a couple of words, how to just ask them to recommend something or to just choose for you, and then you just eat whatever they put in front of you. (laughs) Any, like, really bad experiences with that? Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, There was a restaurant where they gave us the the specialty of the house, and it was uh, cow intestines, which I didn't know until afterwards. And, you know, it's rude to not eat what they put in front of you, especially if they give it to you as a a gift. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so we had to eat everything, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever (laughs) eaten. And I I eat everything, Um, but this this was bad. Apparently, a lot of calamari is uh, pig intestine. Calamari, really? Yeah, a lot. There's a huge market for that where apparently it's cheaper to do, and they just fry it, and you don't know that it's um, it's actually pig intestine. Wow! But calamari is really cheap because squid are so big. Yeah, I don't like, know. Apparently, pig intestine is even cheaper. Oh, but I guess if you want the, if you want the rings, though, yeah. actually, though, if you want the rings, then. Yeah, then it needs to be like the tentacles and whatever. Yeah. If people just like cut up the yeah. Anyway, it was like really weird. It's just like there was like a giant. Have you ever seen like giant squids? Uh, like yeah. not in real life. Yeah, the, divers. There was one in uh, the New Zealand museum. The Teipaki Museum has the original, <gasps> like the real giant squid. They're so preserved. smart. Yeah, it's huge. Cephalopods are really smart. I used to work at the New England Aquarium, and we had octopus. And uh, there was this one octopus that apparently was like sneaking out of its, um, sneaking out of its tank at night and going into the other tank and eating the starfish. Oh my! God. <laughs> or sea stars rather. And uh, but it was crazy because it would uh, like wait until certain times of the night, and I don't know if it was maybe a coincidence because of the lighting, but uh, yeah, you. No, it was, it, it, it was doing that show on purpose. Yeah, it was doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're definitely smart. Because it would go, ba- go back and you would never know. And they're like, where are all the seasons? And they had to like go check the cameras. Oh my gosh. And then they were like, oh my God. Well, speaking of cameras. Did and you, you put, like, the lid was like put back. I don't know. Like it, it's insane. Yeah. Did, did you see the octopus that they taught to actually take pictures? No. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. They they taught an octopus how to how to take pictures. Oh my god! I can't wait. Yeah. They wait. They wait for people. Or it waits for people to like line up in front, and the camera's inside of the glass, and then, and then it, like, he like the yeah he like comes around it with his oh tentacles and then presses the button. Yeah, they're really oh, smart. Life is better. <laughs> Don't worry, it's better under the sea. Oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah. Our Did- scary. Have you seen the monkey that takes the selfies? He's my favorite. They're no, so cute. No. He takes these like selfies and he smiles. So Dude, cool. <laughs> I was like dying. There's a, I wanted to show you guys later. There's a video of this monkey. Um, I want to say it's a chimpanzee. I'm gonna, sorry if I'm being insensitive to monkeys right now. I don't know. But um, <laughs> is this? I think it's a chimpanzee. And he's like behind the glass at the zoo. And then this guy does like a magic trick. Like he puts a rambutan in a cup and then he like shakes it and then he like sneakily takes it out of the cup and then he opens the cup and shows it to the to the orangutan 
and the orangutan looks and then he just he just gives out the biggest laugh and falls over dying like, <laughs> of laughter. Like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh-huh. It's like the most charming thing I've ever seen. Oh, you showed me it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's adorable. It's I can't even. Um, <laughs> okay, but sorry. Like, sorry to go on a tangent, but don't octopi like have like, don't they have sex with like their tentacles or like, or their penis is on like one of the tentacles and then the tentacle falls off and then it just regrows or something? I don't like, know about that. I don't know about that either. Anyway, that sounds like like talking about Japanese culture. They are like really into. There's like a whole oh yeah, like that like, anti like thing about octopus. It's apparently it's octopus fetish. porn. Yeah, I, I've seen, I mean everything's a fetish, but yeah, they used to play like those like anime videos. At, uh, there's this place called Blowfish in San Francisco. It's a Japanese restaurant, and they were always playing like that kind of porn. <laughs> <laughs> but my parents like. My parents' friend was like the head chef there, so we used to go there and was like, "This is so weird being with my parents in here right now." <laughs> but the food was incredible. <laughs> That's so funny. Octopus woman, please let me go. Octopus woman, please let me go. So, like. The, the way that like listening works or like if you want to become a better listener is that there's three like key things and first it's sensing and um, you should like ask yourself like how sensitive are you to like what other people are saying like are you aware of what they're implying by what they're saying because everybody knows that words like we all use words and we've all repeated the same words and if the other person things. has not gotten it <laughs> yeah. because that's not, you know, there's always underlying implications. And so like, it really comes down to trying to understand how that person feels. Um, and like, also make sure that you're not trying to waiting your turn just to chat, right? Like waiting for your turn for the other person to finish. And then like the other, like the next step, step to successful listening is processing. So like, um, you can like, Give the other person like an assurance that you understand what they said, um, that that you'll remember it. Essentially, like maybe repeating it back to them. You could like summarize points of agreement to like, oh, so what you're saying is blah, not just blah, saying blah. like uh huh, uh huh, <laughs> um, and just kind of like you know try and like actually actually like p- make like um like I'm r- a really good listener. In there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then responding. So like. Do you give people verbal acknowledgments? Um, do you let them know that you're like receptive to their ideas and like give them real feedback? And then like, do you ask questions about like their positions, the positions of other people? And you can also like indicate by body language. It's really like a big important thing, but we could all afford to be better listeners. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the act of listening, not just the silence at back and listening. Yeah, and that's probably why people feel so comfortable with you too. Like, um, it's just like, yeah, some people they just want to tell their story. Like, you've been in a bar and like, yeah, like an old man comes and tells you everything about himself. And like, and then he's like, bye, Felicia. He's like, I had my six beers. <laughs> but like, you've been invited into like communities. Like, anyway, okay, like people who want to kind of do what you do, what would you say? Like, well, how would, how should they get started? Um, depends on. On what they do for a job. <laughs> um, because if it's full-time, then I just encourage them to to really use their vacation days to their advantage and not just take it for, um, I don't know, a trip to Cape Cod or something. You know, try and go farther. Yeah. And also, like, compound those things. Like, like I used to always, like, work around, like, the three-day weekend or the four-day... Like, 
try and like get in as many extra days and like extend that shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Put it all together and just get the, the maximum time you can. Well, cool. Well, thank you for sharing your stories with us today. Oh, of course. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, and if people want to, if you want to share your imagery and, and whatnot with people, um, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Stephanie Felicita on Instagram. F-E-L-I-C-I-T-A. F-E-L-I-C-I-T-A. Um, we'll have it on the website. Chill and ambitious.com. So I hope you can remember that and then you can find the show notes and you can find other links and goodies about today's episode and any of our other episodes. You can also find us on social medias. We have Instagram, Periscope, Twitter, uh, Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, and you can find us at Chill Ambitious. No and. And, uh, oh, and of course on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yeah. Give us ratings. And also, if you have any questions for uh, about anything, let us know. Give yeah. us feedback about this episode. What did you like? What would you like to know more about? We can reach out to Stephanie and have her maybe give some tips. Yeah. Or if you guys have any stories you want to share about when you were a good listener or someone was being <laughs> a horrible listener, we'd love to hear those stories as well. Um, yeah. So thanks so much, guys. Uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. You and I are sitting on